Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining me again today. And we have here a new guest and a new friend of mine, Lindsay Harmer. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for making time for the Boca Podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, and we're going to uh, yet again, and, and it's fun to be able to say this after 130 episodes or so, but we're, we're going to dive into a, yet another new topic for the Boca Podcast today, specifically with regards to birth photography. And this is a really loaded topic. I'm excited to go there here in just a little bit, but we're going to start as we normally do with something that I just call the lesson. And this would be the toughest or hardest, most difficult lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner so far. What comes to mind? Oh, so many. <laughs> I feel like we <laughs> can talk enough. about this forever. Yeah. But one that seems pretty present to me is that I was trying to do it all alone in the beginning. Hmm. I had a handful of photographer friends. We used to live in Colorado. We moved to Utah. But in Colorado, I had a handful of friends. But we all lived in pretty far away regions from each other, which I thought was fine because that meant we had designated turf. But um, moving here, I went to a conference called Photo Native, which I know you're familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and we actually had the I, chance to meet in person there at one point, didn't we? We, I, yeah, we may have. <laughs> I'm sure you met a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, for those of you who are looking to attend a photography conference that uh, is not so big that you get lost in the mix, uh, yes. Photo Native is definitely a great option and uh, lovely hosts that run that as well. But please continue. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so I came alone because I don't have any photographer friends in Utah yet. And within five minutes, I was pulled into a circle, all these wonderful photographers that just like took me under their wing. They invited me to these monthly meetups that I've been going to. And I realized that there is this pool of knowledge that I haven't been reaching into as much as I should have. And so, you know, I can bring questions to them. They willingly answer. Mm, and yeah. it just kind of dawned on me that it doesn't matter if we're all in the same area. We, we don't have to be in competition with each other. We all have our own specialties, you know? And, and that's true. Although I have to play devil's advocate cause I'm, I'm so passionate <laughs> about this particular topic, but yeah, it, there is a, a bit of a segue here, which is we do have our own specialties. I hope, or I think what, one of the things that I've right. realized though is, <laughs> and, and really I, I won't go too far down this rabbit trail cause I want you to keep going with this thought, but when you when you ask a photographer what their brand position is or what their how they're different from other photographers in the market, they start to speak to really any number of of ideas. Whether they focus on relationships or they're a wedding photographer that that focuses on relationships, the, the relationship thing seems to be a, a common theme. Yes, uh, but totally. Re regardless, that these are these are ideas. Um, I won't make a real long list right now, but these are ideas that are actually very very commonplace to really any phot modern photography business that is in keeping with the times. It'd be like it'd be like a you know a shoe company says that their their brand position is quality, right? Well, I mean yeah. any, any company is <laughs> any gonna, anyone's looking for 
quality. <laughs> right. So you have to actually find a differentiating factor that truly sets you apart. And mm-hmm. we've, we've covered this on podcast episodes in the past, but I just want to throw that out there as a caveat because it's, it, it's, it's a topic that I'm so passionate about and it, it's a good thing yeah. to be reminded of at all times to make sure that you have a distinct brand position. We're going to actually talk about that uh, here in just a little mm-hmm. bit with regards to your brand. But I, I like that you're making this, this note about the significance of community and that because or assuming that we are creating a distinction between ourselves and the other brands in our area, there really is no reason not to uh, work together to learn from each other, to support each other, to find inspiration from other photographers. Have you found that mm-hmm. to be the case? Absolutely. And going back to brand position, what is something I didn't realize I would find is that they can help me figure out what my brand position is. They can they can help me see what my unique style is. And I can look at them and what their brand position is. And I can say, oh, that's different from me. This is what I am. So it's actually helped me to talk to photographers a lot to learn what my personal position is. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like that we're coming back to this yet again. This has and it's certainly been a theme on the podcast, the significance of community, the value that we can find in that. Not only, of course, the, the benefit of, of learning from other photographers, photographers supporting our efforts in business, but then the value, which is being able to give to them, help them. There's so yeah. much for f- fulfillment in that. As a photographer, a wedding photographer for about a decade, I certainly found extreme levels of fulfillment in helping other photographers, whether it was one-on-one or having the opportunity to be able to to share in a conference setting, for example. And I'm I'm trying to make that a more common part of my day-to-day business practices that I'm in some way sharing or giving to the photo industry. It's so fulfilling. So it's a good reminder. And I, I really appreciate you starting us off with this. I'd love for our listeners, and for that matter, for myself, to get to know you a little bit better. And maybe right. you can start us with something that we like to do here on the po- podcast, find out something totally random that most people don't know about you. So this one might not seem that random, but I don't think most people know this about me. I've actually finished three marathons. <laughs> really? Yeah. In what span of time? Yeah. I, so let's see. I started when my second baby was five months. It's probably, it's been about six years that I've been running. Wow. So there's a little bit of a gap there. <laughs> well, sure. But, but those are, those are pretty big efforts too, to say the least. Did you, yeah. what is the, what, what is the time that you've been able to do the marathons in thus far? My fastest one was 4.45. I was pretty excited to break five hours. So I'm really not much of a competitive person. Maybe that's why I don't usually bring up my marathons. Okay. But I did have a goal to break five hours. And so third time was a charm. I finally broke five hours. (laughs) By a significant amount too. So do you you, want to try to break the four hour mark now? Uh, I kind of do. Training for marathons like a part-time job. So I have to get my head in the game again if I want to. That would be incredible. So yeah. what does a four-hour marathon equate to as far as the number of minutes a mile? Do you know offhand? Ooh, I believe it's, oh, it's more than eight. It's probably around nine. Okay, okay. I know that in order to qualify for Boston, I'd have to do 3.30. So not wow. quite there yet. Okay. Yeah. It, it, and it, then it's crazy to think about, and I've certainly, I've never ridden, uh, run a, a full marathon before. I did a half marathon with um, mm-hmm. when I was racing uh, Ironman or triathlon. Oh, wow. And so I did, I did a half Ironman and, and part of that triathlon race is a half marathon. So you, you swim mm-hmm. something like a mile and a half, mile and a quarter, something like that. And then the bike is 52 miles or so. 
and then you go and run a half marathon. And so that, but I've never done the full marathon. That is quite the undertaking, but it's amazing. I to don't think know. Of- <laughs> half Ironman's my next goal, honestly. Oh, you should do it. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I love the training because yeah. it brings a lot of variety. And you're not not stuck doing the same thing all the time, which is really nice. The swim was the biggest challenge to me. But to think about the fact that that the the top marathon runners in the world run a two hour or so marathon is just mind blowing to me. It's incredible. It really it's not human. (laughs) It's really not. No, it's (laughs) absolutely amazing. Well, that's really cool. So you said you've not been a a competitive person. At least that's not your tendency. Okay. Do you do you find that that inhibits you in any way as a business owner? Maybe it could. I, I kind of want everybody to win. <laughs> oh, I love it, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm okay with not winning sometimes. I'm okay if I'm not at the top necessarily. I'm happy with the clients that I have and having the experiences that I have, and I don't necessarily yeah. have to be the best. And I really love learning from photographers. I love being mentored. I feel like there's always more to learn. You're never going to be the best. Well, so. you know, and I watch somebody like, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. So, <laughs> no. for those of you listening in too that aren't familiar with Gary, just just go to YouTube. I'd say YouTube is really the best place to start with Gary because you can you can watch him and listen to him, and they, they've got loads of videos there on YouTube. Just Gary Vaynerchuk, V A Y N E R C H U K. But Gary is one of the most motivated individual business owners, entrepreneurs that I have ever heard speak before, and he functions at this like you know, 80 hour a week level. And he does want to be the best. And I, I, I think of that because you're, you're talking about, you know, there's, you don't feel like you need to be the best. There's a certain level at which mm-hmm. you're comfortable functioning. And I can kind of empathize with that. I don't care to work 80 mm-hmm. hour work weeks. Um, I have no, particular no, no, no. goals for my personal life and for my business that are, that, have, uh, that are tied to my personal life, of course. And, and I'm good with being in that space versus just absolutely killing myself for being for the sake of being number one. It's, it's good to have yep. a certain level of self-awareness about what you want and let that uh-huh. drive what you do as a business owner. I think that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the marathons, my drive is just bettering myself. So yeah. I am competitive with myself. I want to improve in photography for sure, but I don't need to be better than anyone else necessarily. That's a really interesting perspective. Okay. And I'm sure we could probably do a deep dive down that, down that trail (laughs) just for like an individual podcast episode in and of itself. But we'll get back to the photography side of things here in just a second. How do you like to spend time with your family and actually tell us just a little bit about your family uh, as well? Yeah. So I have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old and a two-year-old and we love to be active. We kind of learned earlier on that we're better parents when we leave the house. So we hike, we mountain bike, we rock climb. We have a boat, so we, we wakeboard most of the summer, snowboard. And we try to take our kids along with us as much as we can. That's brilliant. And when yeah. you say you're better parents when you're active, what do you mean by that? So I just learned that when I'm at home, I am just aware of the to-do list. I'm aware of the messes that I need to clean up, uh, all of yeah. the work that I need to get done. So as soon as I leave the house, it's kind of lifted for me. And so usually our mornings, we just go and we play until nap time. Oh, that's perfect. Do you get to take nap time too? <laughs> uh, I love taking naps. <laughs> oh man. I remember yeah. when my son was two, I, I drew out the two naps a day uh, time period with him for as long as I possibly could because it gave mm-hmm. me some freedom to do my own thing, work on my photography business or, or whatever it might have been. 
Um, but I, I really relish that. Now, of course, uh, I look forward to my own nap times. There's something about Sunday afternoon naps in particular, if it's raining outside that you just yes. like, you kind of sink into the bed and, and it, everything just goes away. It's, it's absolutely perfect. But there, yeah. how do you create, so you're talking about spending the mornings with your kids going and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you create that kind of space in your life as an entrepreneur to be able to do that? And, and maybe to, you know, take date nights with your husband or whatever it might be. How do you create that space for yourself? So I've honestly, I haven't been the best at time management in the past and I'm still learning about it, but I see it. I see time the same way I see money. You need to budget it. You only have a certain amount. Interesting. Yeah. And when it's spent, it's gone. And so I've just considered my mornings, my playtime, because I do have a two-year-old and I've tried in the past to get things done while she's awake and she's a complete tornado. And so I've, it's just completely useless, honestly. So I've just learned that those mornings, we just set it aside to play because that's really all that I can take care of at that time. And then when she naps is usually when I get stuff done. And that's when I have that budgeted. And do you feel like that just naturally forces you to be more efficient when you are working? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Except for when I decide to take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. But, you know, this is an interesting point of conversation, though, because I I was just asking a photographer here locally the other day, like, what what do you and and this person was a, a wedding photographer. So what do you do during the week? Like, what keeps you busy? How do you spend your time? And this is a this is a question that I'm curious about in general for wedding uh, portrait photographers. Maybe a little bit different because you're kind of shooting throughout the week at different times. But wedding photographers in particular, I, I'm curious as to why most wedding photographers aren't working like eight ten hours a week and just going and doing mm-hmm. whatever they want to the rest of the time. Because if you do, as you say, budget your time and you spend it wisely, and you work efficiently, there's really little reason that even a full-time photographer needs to spend any more than maybe 15 or 20 hours a week in order to, to run a successful business. Um, and again, yeah. you have to be strategic about it. You have to be intelligent about it. You can't just hope that it happens. But uh, I, that's something that's confused me for, for, or I've at least been curious about anyway for a long time. So I, I find it interesting that just because you have kids, you've been kind of forced into the situation where you have to work more efficiently with less time. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think there's heavy weeks and there's light weeks and you just take them as they come. I don't think there's necessarily, at least in my life right now, there's not consistency necessarily, right. Yes. but I just take advantage of when I do have a lighter week. Well, and I think this, this is where, you know, we talk, we've talked about the idea of systems before, especially on, uh, we do something called workflow Wednesday. So every Wednesday we talk about those topics related to work, workflow. We put that on the book of podcasts. We put it on Facebook live at the photographers edit Facebook page, but uh, we, we talk about the significance of systems. And if you have systems in place, if again, you've been strategic, you've planned ahead. Uh, and I don't mean you specifically, Lindsay, everybody uh-huh. listening has, has planned ahead. They've been strategic about how they work when they work. Then you can kind of go with the flow because to your point, and I think it's a good one, things just don't stay consistent, you know, especially with kids. I have two kids yeah. myself. There, there are certain weeks where things are much busier, especially with my kids right now. They've, they've got all these different activities and things that they're going to. And I'm, I play the taxi, right? So on top of that, then I have multiple businesses to, to work on or develop. And, and there's just so much going on. You have to be able to go with the flow. And the key is having good systems in place so that when you do have the opportunity to work, you can work really efficiently. And I found myself, even the last couple of days, as I'm going from place to place and, and taking care of this uh, running this errand or taking care of this task. And then, of course, I have all of these things with work going on. 
that I'm just taking advantage of of even you know a few minutes of time to to get a little bit more work done, answer a couple of emails, mm-hmm. or jump on social media and respond to, to people that are engaging with me there, this kind of thing. But if as long as you get the system in place, you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> well, I, I I feel like I'm talking a little bit too much. I want to get back to you. I want to hear your <laughs> side of the story. How long have you been uh, in business as a photographer? And, and tell us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, I've been in business about eight years. It started with my first baby. And I feel like this is probably the story of a lot of mom photographers, but you have a really cute baby in front of you and you start taking taking pictures. Absolutely. And I realized I had a knack for it. I also have a background in advertising. And so I'm, I was already quite proficient in Photoshop. So I already knew how to edit. And then what really got me started was this kind friend that was a very established photographer who just decided to be my mentor. And this is, again, goes back to where I realize how much power there is in community. She, she didn't seem to have any worry about me taking her business. She just wanted to share her knowledge. And so she just took me along with her and it, it really helped me get started and learn how the business worked. And so yeah. as you're getting started, did you, were there apprehensions about taking your first paid job, for example? What, what did that feel like? And when did you make that leap from kind of learning to taking uh, clients on? I mean, I've, I worked for free for a long time <laughs> and then I slowly just like, you know, up to my price, but, yeah. um, and would you recommend that to photographers? Do you think that's a good approach to take? I think it is, but I, there is importance in knowing your value. And I think this actually took me a while to realize is that you can charge more than you think Mm. that you can. So I I charged pretty low for maybe too long and it took, you know, talking to other photographers to tell me that I was worth more than that. And of course, when you do start charging, you get people that do value you more. So yeah, starting out, I did do free jobs and it helps to have that portfolio build I don't know. You just have to kind of sense when you know enough to be worth more than nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And how did you ultimately determine then what you were worth? I mean, you said you were charging little for a long time. I was charging little for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I have a husband that's very numbers based. Ah. And so he always calculates what I'm actually making hourly. And he did that forever. And it would kind of drive him nuts how little I was charging. Yeah. I just started, you know, I, I think that you just figure out how much you want to make hourly and that's that's where you go from. <laughs> but you know, I think it and I'm really glad you brought this point up because I don't think that most photographers think about their business that way. You know, they yeah. they say, "Hey, I got $3,000 to shoot a wedding. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm quote making $3,000." Well, of course the reality right. is you're not and it's not just about cost of goods sold, it is about the time. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm curious, was that a conversation he'd have with you a lot? Like he constantly remind you of, of constantly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like, remember that you have to edit all this now because yeah. the shooting is fun. It's the editing afterwards that you forget about sometimes, Well, which it, I know there's you photographers edit helps, uh, helps with that. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and of course, this was not a, not a planned segue, but I'm glad that you, you brought that up because one of the conversations that I do have with photographers about photographers edit and the idea of delegating or outsourcing editing uh, involves a response that goes something like, I just can't afford to, or it's so expensive. Right. 
But what, again, they're not taking into consideration is the reality, which is that when they sit in front of the computer, the, the average photographer is spending at least 12 to 16 hours processing a wedding themselves. When they sit in the com- front of the computer for all that time, that is that, that those hours are worth money, just like you were pointing out. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Not only that, though, the flip side of that is while they're able to pay somebody else less than what they're worth an hour to get that work done, they can double down and then go do something that actually is going to make them money. So they can go spend time with a wedding coordinator and develop a relationship with that wedding coordinator who could potentially refer them thousands of dollars in business. So the idea of simply looking at a price point for editing and saying that's you know that's $200, that's $150, that's $100 that I could, I could keep in my pocket, the reality is they're spending that and more when they're sitting in front yeah. of the computer for all those hours. Yeah, it's all about budgeting that time. Yeah, that's uh, it's so true. What is your, it, we talked a little bit about photography businesses and their brand position earlier. What is your business's brand position? Um, well, I do a variety of type of different things that I photograph. But as far as birth, I would say my position is I am there to be a witness, but I'm also there to be a support which I think is maybe a little different from a lot of birth photographers. I am not only there to take pictures of the experience, but I'm also there to heighten it, to make it a joyful experience for mom, especially. And you're able to do that because you've had training as a doula, which is something that we'll kind of get into here in just a little bit. I mean, it's a, it's a massive value add that you um, mm-hmm. not only are there as a photographer, you're certainly a mom and you have that personal experience, but then you have training as a doula. So we'll, we'll jump to that here in just a little bit. How do you effectively communicate this kind of experience that you have uh, and the training that you have when you are trying to find potential uh, birth photography clients? I feel like I'm still working on this one, honestly, because <laughs> I, I at the moment, I feel like I try to let my pictures do the talking. But I think just being honest with people yeah. on social media and, you know, whatever your outlet is about who you are. I'm pretty honest that I am a mom. I've gone through birth. I go through postpartum struggles just like them. And I can empathize with them. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And do you communicate the fact that you are a doula on the website or in social media? Is that something that you kind of put out there? Do you wait until you actually have the chance to to chat with a client in person? What does that look like? I usually wait until I, until I have a client. I usually get a hook from people based on my photography. And then I say, in addition to this, I'm also a doula so I can help while I'm there. Yeah. Which is, man, I can imagine how, comforting that has to be to, to somebody to know that you bring that training to the picture. That's, that's really, really wonderful. Now, yeah. speaking of bringing things to the picture, of course, in order to capture these, these photographs, you're using gear. Uh, we're all using some type of gear. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm curious if you have a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag. What, would, what comes to mind when you think of that? At the moment, it's my Canon 24 to 105 lens. Yeah. I really love this for the hospital because you just don't know how much space you're going to have. So I really can be pretty far back. I can be pretty close. It can be pretty versatile. And so I always bring that with me, but I also bring my 50 millimeter just in case the lighting is super low, which happens quite often in the hospital. My 50 millimeter lens is, is really my favorite. I love the simplicity of it, how fast it is. So I know what you mean with that, but I will say the 24, 105, that's a two, eight fixed aperture. Is that right? 
actually that's the 24 to 70. This one's a 4.0. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there was, yeah. and I shot Nikon while I was um, shooting weddings for, from about 2001 oh. to about 2012. But uh, one of the, one of the lenses that we picked up during that time was a 24 to 105 2.8 uh, fixed wow. aperture lens that, that Sigma made. And uh, okay, yeah. by, by default, we were shooting with Nikon lenses, but this is something that Sig- Sigma offered at a relatively decent price. It was surprisingly or sharp enough anyway, uh, and mm-hmm. of course gave us that range that, that you're talking about that's so great, 24 millimeters so wide, and then zoom into to 105. And at the time, we think we were shooting with a one and a half X sensor, so we're getting even more, uh, or we're getting even closer to the subject if we need to, which is which is really good. But that that kind of flexibility is so important, especially when you're shooting mm-hmm. in a situation like that, that could be really tight spaces and you don't have time to quickly switch, uh, lenses. It gives you a lot of range. So I, I totally know yeah. what you mean. That, that lens has got to be incredible. Now, when you are taking you're, you've got this gear, you're going to a birth session. Are you taking a lot of gear with you or do you just kind of limit it to a really simple bag uh, for the sake of not being intrusive? What does that look like? Yeah, you know what? I've learned that simpler is better. I used to bring a handful of lenses, but I felt like there was a need to try to use all of them. And so I'd be like, hold on, let me switch my lens. Hold on, let me switch my lens. Right. Yep. And so this just kind of forces me to keep it simple and use what I have. So I usually just have those two lenses and then I have snacks and a book because I'll be <laughs> <for> a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Snacks and a book. What's your go-to snack? I'm curious. I love fruit. So I usually bring an apple or some fruit leather or something and then some nuts. That's (laughs) perfect. Simple simple is good. I'm, I'm a little obsessed with just a a really simple trail mix and I I eat probably too much of it. I've I've been subbing that out now with uh, avocado and a little bit of feta cheese and uh, some vinaigrette. It's really savory, healthy fats. Uh, I love, I love that, but I love dried fruit and, and trail mix. It's it's so simple. It's easy to take on the go. And people always talk about, or at least they used to anyway, how it's difficult mm-hmm. to eat healthy on the go or on the road. And I would have to totally disagree because you have, you can get dried <laughs> fruit and you can get trail mix. Yep. If you have that, you're fine. Yeah, it's absolutely. True. So <laughs> birth photography, I want to get into this deeper now. It, this is a, yeah. this is a really tough genre to be involved in. You've already spoken to part of the reason why there's, it's, it's so extremely time consuming. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, prior to actually being there to photograph that birth, you're going to be on call. You don't know when this baby is coming and you're going to get that call and it could be during the middle of the day or at night or whatever. It's extremely demanding on professional photographers who want to focus on this particular genre. What made you so passionate about it to begin with? And then what in your mind made it worth the, the effort and the energy that it takes to focus on this particular genre? So I've shot a lot of different genres before and I'm always drawn back to raw, unposed emotion, yeah, which is hard to get, I feel. You get it in weddings a lot of the time, and I feel like you get it in birth. You get it in those big moments. So what I love is that I don't necessarily have to plan ahead of time for these people. I, I don't decide the location. I don't help them with outfits or lighting. It just is. And sometimes it's difficult lighting and I have to work with that. And I don't know how mom's going to react the whole time. It's always a new experience. And I kind of like the spontaneity of that. It makes for some really exciting pictures for me. Well, I, I think um, innate to both those situations, weddings and, and then births, the, the client is probably less aware of the camera 
um, yes. and, and many of those moments. And that's what then enables or creates space for that raw emotion. And do, do you feel like that's the case? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I don't have to talk them through it. Right. I guess it has really stuck with me why it feels good to keep doing it. I've learned, I had really good births. I feel like they, they're happy memory that I look back on, but I had a lot of really good support and I had pictures hmm. and I've learned that these moms that I have photographed, some of them have had some extremely traumatic experiences, but looking back at the pictures and seeing the joy helps with the trauma. It ha- helps them heal from something that could have been a hard experience. And so I feel like it's extremely important for there to be some sort of process after the birth experience for moms to be able to feel healthy about the situation. Yeah, there, our brains have a way of, of coping with potentially traumatic situations and having a visual representation of ultimately how beautiful that experience actually was, at least what it represents, right? Bringing this child into the world and what that means to the family, uh, having those images to kind of override any potential trauma in that experience, I think is a, a wonderful gift that that you're giving these mothers and and really powerful for that matter. That's, that's really incredible. Now, we talked about the fact that you were uh, or that you received training as a doula. And mm-hmm. maybe just for all of us, you can define, for those of us who aren't familiar maybe with the term, can you define what a doula actually is and what led you to train to be one in the first place? Yeah. So a doula, most people call them birth coaches. I like to think of them as, of them as birth buddies. Um, <laughs> I love they're it. Basically, <laughs> they're, they're the advocate for mom. Yeah. I make sure to stay with mom. I make sure to know what mom's plan is and to um, the best of my ability, help that be followed through. So my main things are to educate. I am trained in different, you know, positioning, things that help with pain relief. And um, I'm there for support. They've actually, you know, they've done a lot of studies and found that just having a person in the room can help with the overall health of mom, someone that's not necessarily within the family circle. Huh, that's interesting. That helps, yeah. And so I'm there to support. And a big one is to help with whoever the partner is or spouse is. They're usually the ones that love me the most because I get give them something to do. They don't <laughs> just have to sit there yeah. and see mom suffer, you know? <laughs> well, especially for first-time dads, too. They're probably looking at you like, what do I do now? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've had some deer in headlights moments. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> what led up to this was kind of one of those moments <laughs> where a dad didn't know what to do. So I started out um, photographing births and then I was in one that was, was a new mom, first baby, and the labor was long and it was hard mm. and there was a long time of pushing. And I realized all I had to offer her was my own experience. And mine were pretty easy, (laughs) but I didn't know what else to give her. And dad did not know what to do the whole time. And I kind of walked away from that knowing that I needed to have more to do in the room. Hmm. So that's really, really neat. So you, you then kind of took that interest and curiosity and then also just need and went Uh and got this training. How long does that training process last? Is it a, is it a pretty extensive course? What does it look like? Um, so the training is just a two day course. Okay. It's 
Um, it's all, yeah, two full days. And then in order to get certified, I'm actually still in the process of being certified, but you can practice in Utah without being certified. I see. But in order to be that, you have to go to three births and read a bunch of books, basically, and then you're certified. So I'm still working on the books, <laughs> finding time to read those books. Well, and I mean, I think you already really spoke to this, but how would you sum up the benefit of being a doula when it comes to being a, an even better birth photographer? What does that enable you to do? Yeah, it enables me to do just a little bit more because, you know, when I'm there photographing, there is a certain feeling that I want to photograph. And now I can help create that feeling in the room, which is really great. <laughs> you know, I can actually take a little bit of charge because before I was really hands off. I didn't talk to the nurses. I didn't give dad any pointers because I just didn't feel like I had the authority to do that. But right. now I really can help create a feeling there. Huh. That's really interesting. So what would you say then? I mean, you're, you're deep in this and, and haven't not just from the photographic sense, but now you're, you're receiving additional training uh, or, or studying to, to be able to offer better support to these clients. What would you say uh, are the, the characteristics of a good birth photographer based on, on your experience? Cause I know that there may be some that are listening in that if they haven't already experienced offering birth photography as a service through their business, maybe they're interested in it. Are there yeah. particular characteristics or personality traits or tendencies that are those of a good birth photographer? Yeah, I would say so. You're like, look at me, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say the biggest one is to be someone that people can trust. This mm. is the most vulnerable experience that really I can think of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, and it has to, you have to um, be able to convey to people that you're a person that can be completely in their personal bubble. Cause try as you might, you're going to see every part of this person. Yep. They're going to share every part of them. And so, yeah, and physically, I mean, certainly, but emotionally too, like they're going to be emotionally too. Yeah. They yeah. will not have control over their emotions at some point. Wow. They're going to have to be extremely vulnerable. Yeah. How do you develop that sense of trust with, I mean, well, actually let me start kind of take a step back. How, far in advance of the actual birth generally are you getting to meet this this client it is how do you then take advantage oh. of that time frame to, to develop trust I, I like to meet with them as soon in the pregnancy as possible okay to yes build that trust absolutely we usually have one initial meetup beforehand but I kind of leave it now that I am a doula this is my upper hand here but you this could probably work as a photographer too I do you know, leave it open for them to text me and ask me questions throughout the way. And so they are building trust up to that day for me to be able to go into the room with them. And so it, this is, this is throughout the birth process. How many times would you say that you, that you meet with them two, three, four times? What, what's average there? I usually just meet once before the birth okay. and then I meet once after. Okay. Yeah. Well, you must be a pretty incredible person that they're able to trust you after even just one meeting. That's that's pretty great. But I, I I think I mean you're you're already in this conversation showing a certain level of vulnerability, certainly kindness. Uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording that, that the moment we started chatting, your voice sounded very happy, and as <laughs> as much as you laughed at that, I think there's something about that. Like when you when you talk with somebody and you hear that kind of kindness or happiness in their voice. 
even if it's not conscious, maybe it's subconscious, I think there is more a tendency to, to trust that person or at least warm up to that person. And then that creates the environment um, necessary yeah. for trust. So I think that's absolutely yeah. wonderful. And, and you're exemplifying that very, very well. Oh, thanks. Based on your experience, though, what, what would you say are, I mean, let's just make it kind of practical for the photographers okay. listening in who are maybe interested in getting into birth photography. What, what steps do you think that they should take to successfully break into birth photography or more specifically the local birth photography market? Mm-hmm. So I, this thought came into my head when you were talking about, about trust again, not everybody's going to be able to trust you. You know, there's Hmm. a certain flavor for every different person. I might not be the right birth photographer for everybody. So I would say, start with people that already trust you start with friends and family that are having a baby. That's where I started Okay. uh, because they asked me because I'm already in their trust circle. They're already willing to be vulnerable with me. And, um, maybe you do do it for free in the beginning and work your way up cause you are building that portfolio. But yeah, I would start with the resources that you already have. I would start with the people that already know you. And another really big one is to be educated on birth. If you yourself haven't gone through birth, you need to learn about birth. You need to learn about when the right time would be to come to the hospital or you'll be sitting for a really long time. <laughs> first time they get a contraction. <laughs> What's the longest you've ever been at a hospital for for a birth photography? Oh, probably about eight hours. Okay, yeah. I, I'm actually surprised. That seems less than than I've that I've yeah. heard about before. That's that's impressive. You you really have your art down. I I try to. <laughs> like I want to be there just the right amount of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's where the education really comes into play. And also you need to be prepared for what you're going to see. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not something that, you know, you're ever going to see anywhere else. And so maybe watch some birth videos if you haven't yeah. yourself for birth. Actually, I didn't see my own birth, so maybe I should have watched some birth videos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just being educated about what a birth is like, what is the process, when are they in active labor, when are they in transition, um, so you know when to back off, because there are times when mom needs a little more space. Um, and then the final one I would say is to reach out to the community, start following, um, you know, Instagrams, there are tons of birth Instagrams, Um and reach out to, you know, OB offices, mom communities. There's so many resources at our fingertips now. It's kind of amazing. And speaking of, you talked about OB offices in, in particular. Are you, do you have some of your images displayed at those offices? How are you actually marketing the service in particular besides your website? Um, at the moment, I don't, but I have a couple that have reached out to me. So I'm just kind of debating which way to go. But yeah, I it just depends on the office, but, um, they often need pictures for every room in their office. And it's, it's really a great way to great place to start because they're just going to be a bunch of pregnant women looking at your pictures every time they go in for a visit. Yeah. I mean, they have to make an impression because they're not just kind of walking by, they're sitting there in the waiting room for 20 oh, minutes yeah. or 45 minutes or whatever it might be. So they're going to be looking at that mm-hmm. for a while. It's a great opportunity to make an impression outside of that in your website though. Would you say that word of mouth is, is the way that you most commonly get business? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that ever changes for people, but definitely majority is word of mouth. Maybe because this is such a vulnerable 
genre. Yeah, that makes they sense. Need someone to back it up. <laughs> yeah, no, totally makes sense. And then what is the what is the delivery pro- of the products? What does that process look like after the fact? I mean, are these are these clients just getting digital files in a gallery? Are you creating mm-hmm. albums for them as well? What does that process after the birth look like? I simply offer them a digital gallery. I also have some background in video. So sometimes I'll take a little bit of video in between and just throw together a really quick birth video for them just so they can hear what was going on as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's pretty simple for me. I just give them the images. Do you ever have a client come back and say, hey, I'd, I'd love to have an album made? I mean, is that just kind of the exception to the rule? In most cases, they just want those those images to be able to look back through? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't had anybody reach out to me yet. Maybe it's because sometimes these images are a lot more personal. Maybe they don't right. want it as a coffee table book. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're screaming and, and crying. And, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, this has been a a good kind of introduction into the topic of birth photography. And I I really can't thank you enough for making time for the Boca podcast and kind of sharing your insight and your experience. Where can our listeners find you online so they can see some of your work, not only your website, but social media as well? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Linz Marie, L-I-N-Z Marie Photography. Apparently, Lindsay Marie was already taken. (laughs) Okay. And then my website is Lindsay Marie, either dot me or dot photography. Actually, both of them work. So that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y Marie, M-A-R-I-E. Dot photography. Okay, perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast listeners. Uh, Lindsay, this has been a a really interesting topic and and I really appreciate your personality, who you are, what you bring, obviously are bringing to your clients, but uh, certainly have brought to the conversation today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This was a real treat. It was awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.